0: And then you learn how unique Detroit is and how you need to rip out half the rule book and then with the loose pages rewrite what it really means to be a Detroit food and beverage operator, a restaurateur, because you know it's unique here.
1: Okay, ready?
2: This is it. This is the show. What's With the Pineapple, a brand new podcast from the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association.
1: Pineapples don't grow in Michigan.
2: No, not native to Michigan. Let me write that down. Putting a a hospitality spin on what exactly is going on in Lansing. Shed some light on the industry specifically in Michigan. I think we're going to have some good guests.
1: What is with the pineapple? What's with the industry? What's going on in Michigan?
2: We can edit this if that's not right, right? Emily, good afternoon. It's episode 14. We're back. We're back. It's a- <laughs> Short hiatus. Maybe the shortest between two recordings. It's election day. Done. We're dun, together dun. recording. We have no hot takes because we don't have any results yet. We're about five hours before the closing of polls, but an exciting day.
1: Have you voted yet?
2: Already voted. You see the sticker? The sticker's there. It fell off. Oh, my God. Well, I voted. Let the record show. Uh, okay. Okay.
1: I'm also wearing a jean jacket with stars on it for a reason, because it's election day.
2: Got it. And you voted then?
1: I'm voting after work.
2: All, you the, didn't, best, you all did, the best intentions.
1: You didn't give us a day off, so.
2: Unlike my kid's school, we're going to go right past that. All right. This last weekend, daylight savings time. Yeah. Always a hot take. People people love it. People hate it. it has mm-hmm. tangentially, maybe, something to do with the industry? Before That's we even good. get into the industry, what are, your, what are your takes? Should Do you like the idea? Should we keep it? Should we get rid of it?
1: I have a lot of thoughts.
2: Share all of them.
1: Okay. I'll spend the first 20 minutes on it. So I like the weekend that it happens that we fall back because I like having more time. I wake up at like six or seven in the morning and then all day I have way more time mentally than I thought that I did, which is my favorite. In the fall. Just like on that Sunday after daylight savings. <laughs> right.
2: But in the spring, it's the opposite.
1: <laughs> right. Hate it in the spring.
2: Right. You're like, oh, my God, it's 2 p.m. already.
1: Exactly. And Especially you're on just a Just getting up. You have the Sunday scaries. You know what that is? Nope. Didn't think so. You, um, want, to, you
2: want to elaborate?
1: It's, it's like a millennial term for the week ahead. You're like, you get anxious. Very get, ageist. You get anxiety about the week ahead and like the weekend's over. And so you probably do get them. You just don't call them
2: anything. Yeah, I probably haven't posted on Instagram what that is. So it doesn't exist. All right. So daylight savings time, you like it in the real time. You want it, you would, you would keep it. You would not have, I mean, this was a this was a policy debate in the summer again of, of whether or not uh, the US would would continue to follow.
1: Yeah. So beyond that, I hate it. I think it's stupid to leave work at 5 PM and it's getting dark out. And then it's 7 30 and you're like, oh, should I go to bed?
2: But when you go to work, you're okay if it's still pitch black.
1: It's not pitch black, though. I mean, if you get to the office at 7 a.m., like I do, then maybe, but
2: note the silence. Anyway, so, all right, well, let me, let me pose this hypothetical. If you could get rid of it, would you, and it did not exist. So you did not ping pong back and forth. Would you have the fall back time, the time we are in now? No. Or you'd have the spring forward time.
1: Spring forward.
2: That's, that's what you'd go with. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. Because there's more time at the end of the day. And then in the winter, it's getting dark at what, eight probably? 730 maybe in the peak and can we talk about seasonal depression
2: we right now (laughs) i'm just saying the
1: impact especially in michigan is real
2: i'm gonna i'm gonna go counter again i i have i find a way of zagging an awful lot on this podcast i'm an early morning guy i like it when it's light and bright in the morning when i'm up when i get home it's you know when i'm driving home it's gonna be dark anyway so i'm okay with it it's done
1: what do you mean it's going to be dark anyway?
2: Plus, maybe maybe this phase will pass in the summertime when it's light still at 10 o'clock and you're trying to get your kids to go to bed at like nine. It's not, you can't put them to bed when it's still bright for another hour and a half.
1: You can do anything if you try hard, hard enough. enough.
2: It's the motto of the MRLA. Why, think about 4th of July. You could start fireworks at like 9.15 instead of 10.15, 10.30. Huh? No. Uh, that's something good there. No? No. No,
1: no, because you want to weigh in on this one.
2: I'm not on your side. I don't know. I mean, (laughs) if if you want to just like pick a ball, you could move to like Houston,
0: just move like one time zone over and go south and like be right on the edge of the new time zone. You'll get all the things you want um, out of like the (laughs) the early the early
2: sunsets and hell of a commute. (laughs) That'd be tough. But uh, yeah, I just uh, I just don't get the point. I don't I I don't know why we do it. I think we should just pick a time and that's the time and and your time is the spring forward time.
0: Yeah. I mean, isn't there a isn't there a clock somewhere in England that tells you what time it is and that's the time? And then we just kind of like work around that and pretend half the year. I don't know which time is
2: the real time, but let's go with whatever the real time is. We're all creating our own reality every day. Yeah, I'm not into it. It's all subjective.
1: I mean, what is time really? You know? Exactly
2: right. How deep you want to go down this philosophical hole? I'm I'm in. Nope, it says we shouldn't. We don't have time. Ah. We need to go to the next segment. Emily, what do we have for Pineapple Express today?
1: We have two hot stories. So the first one is a little bit more alarming. There's some new jobs data data overall, but specifically new restaurant jobs data. In October, restaurants and bars added only six thousand
2: jobs nat- In Michigan?
1: nationally. Whoa! So I set you up there. So Justin, what does that mean for Michigan? Well if that cascades down region
2: hospitality in Michigan peaked in February, right? And we have either held steady or slightly decreased every single month since February 2022. So the surge back is is done by 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 this state's standing as it relates to this industry. But this industry often is the canary in the coal mine. And, and when things start trending positively, you start seeing it earlier in this industry. And when things start trending away, so all the talk about we think you know, economists are, I think, almost at 100% at this point, frankly, that we are trending towards a recession, maybe Q1 of next year. This is a pretty clear sign that we are heading in that direction. 6,000 jobs nationally is nothing
1: nothing yeah uh,
2: you know, for an industry that's still a half a million job shy of where it was pre-pandemic. so I think it's I think it's interesting and and again, this industry always seems to be a leading indicator of where things are trending in the economy. so not great signs overall for the economy, but definitely a stalling out this month uh, or I guess I'd say last month for this industry. So stay tuned because some of those some of the forecasting on where this economy is going uh, you're starting to see, Anyone who is pushing back is saying these jobs numbers overall have still been strong for the last several months. How can you possibly see or foresee a real recession coming with this kind of job growth? Well, you're starting to see it tricking, trickling back in, in, in this industry, first and foremost. So it's something we're going to be watching very closely month to month, but not a great sign right now.
1: Yeah. I don't think it's a question of if. It's a question of how long will the recession be, right?
2: A short and sweet would be nice and, and, and get us realigned. Bring inflation back in line and then start moving forward would be it would be great. By summertime next year, if we are we are back talking about a, a thriving economy, that'd be great. I'd by, welcome it.
1: By the time we're springing forward, maybe our economy is springing forward as well.
2: Wow. Nice callback. Perfect.
1: All right. This next story is a little bit easier. So Shake Shack, I read an article, is investing time in Be Real. So before I go any forward, do you know what Be Real is? <laughs> Joe, Joe is sighing in the corner.
2: I learned about it last night. It's
1: oh, just last night.
2: Interesting. You're so hip to the trends, Joe. I'm not. All right, talk to me. Educate me on the fly right now because I have no idea what we're talking about.
1: Okay, so be real is a social media app. I am not on it. I just know about it because I read allegedly marketing things. I'm really not on it. I'm not on Tinder. I'm not on any of these things. I am on Instagram. Anyway, Be Real is a social media app. This would be a good test. I wonder if your kids know what it is because it it is a younger generation thing. Like I have 12-year-old cousins who are on it.
2: They have zero access to social media.
1: But I bet they know what it is because they're peers. So that would be interesting. Anyway, so Be Real is an app where you, it takes away like editing and filters. So it forces you to be real and you have the app and once a day at at A random time, everyone who has the app, the alarm goes off at the same time and says, it's time to be real. And you have to post a picture, a selfie, and it takes a picture of the selfie, the front camera, and then the back camera at the same time. So like if it went off right now and I had the app, it'd be me with doing this podcast and you looking at me with disgust, which is what you're currently doing.
2: Why does Shake Shack want to be involved in this? Tell me, Give me the restaurant tie-in here
1: yeah so they're experience experimenting with the app to see if they can generate organic customers through the the generations that are using the app to show behind the scenes creating menus menu tasting so anytime there's a social media app a marketer for a business is going to want to figure out how to get in organically and from the start to build a following what's interesting is be real doesn't offer a paid platform it doesn't offer ads and it doesn't offer like pages for companies. So you can create an account. Like think Facebook, you can have an, a company account, which which makes sense because-
2: if, What is the, what is the business model that keeps it afloat?
1: I have no idea because I don't have the app. Hmm. So I just yes. thought it was interesting. I don't know. I, I Mostly I thought that your response to the concept of this app would be interesting.
2: I just feel older every single time we <laughs> record a new episode. It Do you think from your millennial perspective- that this has staying power for the industry?
1: Actually, I do. It has twenty one point six million active users on it, which is a lot. And I think there's this trend show <laughs> sign. Very audible in.
2: sigh from Joe. See, for once he's on my side. I'm not
1: saying I agree with it. This is just my take that I think this <laughs> this trend toward authenticity and not not photoshopping or face tuning your your pictures. Face tuning? yeah so that's like a photoshopping app that people use to change their appearance Hmm. so you're making the right choice not having your kids on social media i'll tell you that much
2: i mean my oldest is nine i think eventually this is coming but we're gonna have some some real conversations about it all right that's enough for that one let's move on
1: Your favorite new segment, Justin, Pineapple Plaudits.
2: Well, it's our only new segment, but yeah, it sounds great. Alliteration is important.
1: It is. And the more we can uh, bring in pineapples is also important. Restaurant Week Grand Rapids is happening as we speak. Started on November 4th, going through the end of the week. And the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association is a sponsor of that event. We sponsor it every year, I think, since its inception.
2: Uh, yeah, folks that experience Grand Rapids do a fantastic job managing that. Grand Rapids is a phenomenal restaurant town. It's a phenomenal hospitality town in general. They have it together. It always has great attendance and, and it's gonna to need to be. I mean, no more art prize.
1: Yeah. Well in
2: the way that we have conceived yeah. of art prize in the past. I think uh, there
1: was some click clickbait going on with those headlines.
2: Yeah, everything changes.
1: Yeah. I art prize, I think, is still going to exist, but with different organizers.
2: All right, I'll do some of the read in here. So nine days, <laughs> sure. Nine yeah. day culinary event kicked off Friday, November fourth. So it's got, we're a couple of days in already through Saturday the twelfth. Forty participating restaurants, specialty menus, at least two courses for twenty five dollars. In this economy, amazing, amazing, amazing. And then you can get for more than twenty five dollars, you can get more than two courses. So. Each location, diners can check in on the Restaurant GR Digital Pass, Restaurant Week Digital Pass. See, I'm telling you, Experience GR, they know what they're doing. They're always nice one step ahead. Yeah. So they can get a coupon from that restaurant for a return visit. Nice job there. And available by signing up at RestaurantWeekGR.com.
1: The pass is available. Yep. Yeah. So we encourage um, all of our listeners to head that way. Uplaw
2: it. Is for the city of Grand Rapids. The plot it is for our friends at Experience Grand Rapids for yes. always running a great restaurant week.
1: Who is going to be honored tomorrow night. Ooh, good segue. Which will be, by the time this episode comes out, last night at the MRLA Stars of the Industry Awards Dinner.
2: What is the Stars of the Industry Awards Dinner, Emily?
1: It is our second annual awards event where we honor, we have 18 different categories and we honor the stars of our industry and everything that they do throughout the year to make everything happen.
2: Give me some examples. What are some categories that people can win awards for?
1: So CVB star of the year, which we've already covered. We have a new, two new categories this year, bartender star of the year and resort star of the year. Those are two new ones. The biggest ones of the night are the North star award. Uh, as well as the Hospitality Star of the Year Award. Um, Those are our two biggest.
2: So these are some of these are hotel-specific, some of these are restaurant-specific, but uh, people gathering from across the state in Plymouth on Wednesday night should be a great time.
1: Absolutely. We have
2: a professional MC this year. We do. So you don't have to suffer through me. You get a real professional MC. Who is our MC this year?
1: Her name is Heather Park. She is the host for the Tigers at Comcast Park. And then she's on 97.1, the ticket as well.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah. She does the morning show with someone I went to high school with. Shout out Clawson High School. Shout out John Jansen.
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: Like that. All right. Let's pivot once again. I'm just going to hit this quick. We have a GA segment for Fork's sake. Not a lot going on this week. Legislature clearly still not here. I'm not going to review again what's coming up in lame duck. I don't have any predictions. It is election day. We know it's going to be a big turnout year. It's interesting. You can kind of feel the high energy, a lot at stake, everything up. So that's interesting and a lot of play for how Michigan's going to be uh, run over the next two, two and four years, depending on the race. So a lot going on. I'm sure you'll hear more from us.
1: Yeah. You said there's not a lot, a lot happening. There's a lot happening. We just don't know what it is yet.
2: Well, there's not a lot happening legislatively and that's Mm -hmm. not going to happen for, for quite a few weeks here, but One issue we're following, the adopt and amend court case received a panel of judges. We know when the court of appeals is going to take it up. So in December, December 13th, there will be oral argument on the case and whether what the legislature did back in 2018 with adopt and amend, we're not going to go down this road and describe it again, was constitutional, but we know it impacts this industry, impacts minimum wage and impacts the tip credit most acutely for this industry. So we'll be watching watching that closely.
1: All right, we are about to welcome our guest for the interview today, Chef Petro Dr-
2: Dracopoulos.
1: Thank you. I'll get it.
2: Dracopoulos.
1: Dracopoulos. Nailed it. All right, Chef Petro Dracopoulos, a Chicago native, is a 24 year food and beverage professional. Chef Petro has dedicated his career to the entirety of hospitality, both service operations and culinary. Throughout his career in the industry, he has worked with Jimmy John's, Marriott, Metro Hospitality Management, and Helicon Holding. Chef Petro, with his long-held dream of being an entrepreneur, has also opened numerous Detroit area operations, such as Texas Day Brazil, Brujo Tacos at Detroit Shipping Company, Republica, and is currently executive chef for Penn Gaming. Chef Petro also sits on the board of the Detroit Restaurant and Lodging Association,
2: Oh, and update, as of literally in the last 24 hours, the chair-elect of the Detroit Restaurant and Lodging Association. Congratulations and welcome, Petro.
0: Oh, thank you. Yes, I am uh, humbled at uh, being elected chair. Uh, It's exciting, actually. can't wait for this upcoming year.
2: That chapter needs your leadership and perspective, so I'm excited for you to take on the chairmanship next year. Let me hit you with an easy one to start off. Recently, in an interview, you said, "I'm a Detroit chef. I like I like that, but you're a Chicago native. So tell me the difference in what it means to be a Detroit chef versus, let's say, a Chicago chef.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I think the the largest the the journey, the learning journey, if you will, is you know, I, I came from Chicago, this robust market. You know very big pond uh you know ocean if you will and uh you know you're a small fish there and, and there's, there's there's people doing great work and there's impact and you feel fulfilled and you come to a market like this and when i first got here in 2011 it was oh I, I know I can tackle this market I, you know I've been to L.A. I've been you know, te- you know Dallas Chicago and I've traveled I can handle food markets and then you learn how unique Detroit is and how you need to rip out half the rule book and then with the loose pages rewrite what it really means to be a Detroit food and beverage operator a restaurateur because. You know, it's unique here specifically. There, there is uh, amazing individuals that you know we we support local before all else. We look at the small guy before the the big corporation, and and you have to learn to navigate those waters. So, being a Detroit chef or you know Detroit restaurateur, restaurateur, and a Detroit occupant means something. There's something more. There's a caveat to it.
1: That's a great description coming from the future chair of the DRLA. That's great. (laughs) So speaking of that uniqueness, in addition to your independent ventures, as we said before, you're now the executive chef for uh, Penn Gaming at Hollywood Casino. You revamped the menu at Prism Steakhouse and developed a new menu at Rock Bar. What's the experience of that setting compared to Republica or operating in a food hall format as you did at Detroit Shipping Company? What are those differences?
0: Yeah. So, you know, first time in gaming and pen Gaming now at Penn Entertainment is did this transformative, you know, deployment, if you will, at the new Hollywood. Greektown has always been there for, you know, X amount of years, multiple owners, of course. Um, Mr. Gilbert had it, had it before Penn Entertainment. And now that we're, you know, in that environment of we're Hollywood, but we're actually a little different. In fact, the company looks at a little different. We don't carry the same food and beverage that the Hollywood casinos of other markets have. Uh, we kind of stand our own. We're, we're unique. And, and so the objective was for you know me to come in and give it that unique touch, take the really iconic outlets, make small changes, modernize uh, add technology and and ultimately make a, a very unique singular experience, as opposed to this is another you know Final Cut in a Hollywood. Even though Final Cut is an amazing steakhouse concept and the company is doing great things with it, you know Hollywood has Prism, and, and what does Prism mean to the market, and, and how do we best serve the the guests coming in? So it's really exciting time.
2: Okay, you may be singularly unique in in seeing the this industry in this area. From that many different perspectives at once, so I'm really interested. Coming out of the pandemic, you know, you you are an owner of a small independent place, but you've seen the large corporate and been engaged on on building something very large from that perspective. And frankly, trying to build something in the shipping company that's where a lot of this industry seems to be trying to be heading. So you are you can come at this from multiple vantage points that most people don't. What is wh- how do you see the industry? right now coming out of the pandemic in southeast michigan you know are there areas that are are coming back stronger than others more challenged than others do you think the independent side is is more imperiled trying to come out of this than than what you see in some of the more corporate ventures you've been involved in i'm i'm really fascinated because you have such a unique perspective from different seg- segments of the industry down in southeast michigan you know how you see the industry right now
0: it's a great question uh and and yes, I am blessed that I've seen it on a couple of different angles. You know, I've said in my career when I did a transition from corporate to uh, entrepreneurial and, and owning my own business, owning my own restaurant, that, you know, the, the issue that mom and pop or, or small operations have with large corporations is that there's no heart, there's no creativity. And some of the gripes that corporate looks at, uh, you know, small operations with is that they don't have any systems and procedures and they have no vision on, on operations. And ultimately, the truth is always in the middle. And now what I'm seeing is that that top and bottom erode and the the middle is becoming true. Uh, Even corporate operations need to have more heart, more creativity. Your mom and pop operations need to tap certain organizations third parties, for technologies, for market analysis. So, you you know, each individual segment is starting to learn from the, each other. And in a market right now, you know, we look at, we were on a very high swing, especially in Detroit, you know, pre-pandemic numbers of restaurants opening, the creativity, uh, there is, you know, parallels uh, being drawn with Harlem. There is parallels being drawn with, you know, some of the some most amazing food cultures coming out of Uh, you know, LA, Seattle, and then pandemic hit. And so when we look at the the overall landscape. We have to understand that one, we're reeling from the pandemic, so staffing is always going to be an issue, and it's very t- you know it's a very tough hill to to climb right now. And you know, with staffing comes alternative ways. What technologies can we use? How do we uh, uh, you know reach farther with our messages and our branding? And I, I see the exciting time. I think there's a lot of consolidation in the market here, and now we're going we're on the prefaces of another upswing, and 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 really we're you know. Who's left in the game, if you will, are seasoned all stars. So it, you know, to me, it's exciting because it's going to be great to see what we come up with and, and how we you know reshape the post-pandemic Detroit and uh, you know uh, Michigan, if you know for that matter, uh, restaurant scene.
2: Okay, so don't let me trim the sales here, but let me—I'm uh, interested in your perspective of because we 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 talked earlier on, on the still ongoing legal battle over what the legislature did a few years ago the result would be if you don't if we don't receive relief in court uh, that in February this overnight this industry is going to lose the tip credit right and, and not be one of the 43 states that operate with the tip credit. So if that happens in February and overnight you are seeing a 200 plus percent increase in your tipped employee labor, what does that mean to you in the diff in the different segments? Like what is what does Republica do in that in that scenario? Would you do you reshape uh your labor force? Do you just shut it down altogether? I'm, I'll be interested to see if that negative, that significant negative impact comes in February. And and we are doing our very best to prevent that. But I'm I'm interested in your thoughts on on what happens if we don't get the the kind of relief that we're working towards.
0: Justin, if it happens, it's it's not gonna be a good morning. You know, uh, <laughs> it's not a you know, we, we look at extinction events. And, and although, uh, you know, I, I don't like to use the terminology extinction event when it comes to markets like restaurants, but you have to, you know, people have to conceptualize, the broad public have to conceptualize the, the costs incurred. I mean, we're seeing menu pricing jump and that's prior to the increase in labor. Uh, we're seeing the cost of doing business jump in all markets, not just restaurants and food and beverage. You know, ideally the two spheres will approach it differently but they are not going to be easy decisions. And there will be a loss of, you know, corporate would call it loss of human capital. Uh, mom and pops would be like, unfortunately, I can't give you that fifth day, right? I can't give you that fourth day. I have to restructure my hours of operation. I have to, uh, you know, cost savings. I've got to raise my prices yet again. And, and ultimately hopefully not raise myself out of the market and, and make myself not competitive. The, you know, overall, And and really the impact on the service staff. You know, there are some individuals that are in it because of that satisfaction of doing amazing work. They're ladies and gentlemen serving, ladies and gentlemen. And now, you know, forcing the hand of the operators, it changes that dynamic and relationship with your staff. And and so there's no easy answer. And it will be uh, be a tough morning, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll cross that bridge if it happens.
2: Well, I'm I'm sorry to trigger you if I if I did in, in such a negative way, but I, I'm always interested in your perspective because you just are, you're a, you're an elite professional in this field and you see it from different ways, which is why it's still amazing to me with all of this on your plate, how much you lead and focus on giving back to others, and that's why Emily is going to segue to the big event coming up.
1: Yeah. So on a brighter note, full plates, full hearts. And I see what Justin did there with full plate, full plates, full hearts is, and it's, I believe, fifth year as part of the DRLA. Can you explain what that event coming up is and what it means to you since you've always been involved with it?
0: Yeah. I, you know, full place, full hearts is my core thought process for a lot of individuals that are, uh, that participate in it, of that opportunity for us to give back and support. You know, we were, especially in 2000, you know fourteen to 17, 18, we were going into heavily blighted areas in the city and we were going, Hey, let's, let's roll the dice. Let's, let's, you know, create some restaurants, let's create some bars, let's, let's make it, you know, a more robust environment to enjoy yourself in the city and that gives us the opportunity full placeful full hearts for, for drla members and, and supporters to give back so we mobilize that day and uh, you know we get to put great meals in front of great people and we get to support the communities that are ultimately supporting us so it's an exciting event and i love it and i, I hope to be part of it for the rest of my career
1: we hope you are too. And to give a little bit more context, if anyone listening wants to participate, Monday, November 21st, I believe beginning at 11 a.m., you can go to Detroit Shipping Company and get a free meal provided by members of the DRLA to give back to communities in addition to um, some personal drop-offs that happened throughout that day as well.
2: Yeah. Listen, Petro is hes a humble man, but he has been both the culinary lead on this effort from the very beginning and, and the... the the passion project lead, right? He is—he has been the one that has made this project grow to where it has get have the success that it has, and it's not limited to just this. I, I'm, I'm immediately back now to the early days of the pandemic, and we were just trying to find ways to for restaurants to help people get food where they needed it the most. People were throwing money at us, the association to find ways to have to help restaurants help other people on the front lines and you were our lead and and without even reservation wanted to be the aggressive lead of of helping us get food to frontline workers in the city of Detroit through several hospitals and you want to talk about a little bit about that process cuz that was logistically challenging in any scenario but then in the early you know still pretty scary days of the pandemic we're talking March April May of uh, of 2020 that you were on the front lines making sure that those people were were fed. I I don't throw the word hero around often, but Petro, you were amazing during that time frame. Will you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, no, and you know, I look at it fondly, even though it was such a a. You know, upside down time, you know, uh, I, operators didn't know what next week was going to hold. And when we found and we were revealed that we had that need that uh, frontline workers and hospitals and at Kobo needed assistance, needed support, it, it, you know, that's, that's the time where entrepreneurs and you, 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 you hold that, you know, that trophy, that cap, you wear that cap with pride. That that's when we activate, and it's not about what are we going to do. It's about this is what needs to be done, and how are we going to do it? And there are times where you know I remember feeding Kobo uh, and Beaumont, where you know staff is not coming in for you know whatever reasons, and I was cooking for four or five hundred with myself in a very small elite dedicated crew of, uh, of diehards in Republica. And we were dropping off, uh, you know, running you know, in my car, filling up my car with you know, 600 meals to, to get downtown. It was an exciting time, but we did it. And, but more importantly, when you do those things, when you step up to the plate for other people in life, Uh, that it doesn't feel like you're going through hardship. And at the end, you turn around and you're changed for it. Now, if someone says, hey, I need breakfast for 1500, I don't look at them going, oh, my God, how do I do that? I go, oh, yeah, I remember that time was great. I, I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a perfect example. We forget sometimes because so much was going on during that time, how restaurants were facing the unknown every day, but so many still put their heads down and just got to work to support their communities.
2: Yeah, it was a big deal. We were proud to be a part of it and and proud to be associated with you. I mean, you really led the charge and in a very very challenging environment. Speaking of, you're you're now pivoting to take the leadership role at the DRLA. It always deals with some some big issues ahead. We just, I think, had at least we'll call it a temporary, if not a permanent win. The second time the Detroit City Council tried to put a color-coded restaurant inspection process in place, well intentioned but completely misguided and bad on timing. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you think we were able to succeed down there in the city?
0: Yeah, I you know I will say I think well intentioned but misguided is a, is a perfect turn of co- or coin of phrase for it. Uh, you know we want to keep people safe. I've dedicated my entire life to serving safe food and making people feel comfortable to eat at places other than their house. And I'm all for getting behind initiatives to keep people safe and support the community and and that health and wellness. But there are ways to do it and there's ways not to do it. And, you know, we've now combated twice and, and hopefully I, I know other people might share the sentiment that they don't want to see it again, but hopefully we keep going at it because we might drive to something that works for everyone and that is, is going to make us better. These kinds of instances make us look at ourselves as much as the others around us and, and we can get really amazing solutions. And I, it's a testament. And I know you started that question with you know, leadership, DRLA is an amazing organization and, and I don't consider either myself or anyone really a leader. There's, there's, you know, leaders on that as a group of leaders. And so in that is the easiest team of individuals to even uh, to come up and, and and pick up your sword for causes. I mean, everyone is really dynamic and I feel blessed for being on the board and now excited that, uh, you know, I get the whole chair and, and really it's, it's not effort. It feels effortless and, and it's an amazing Environment of support from other restaurateurs and people in the industry. I mean, it's a beautiful thing.
2: Couldn't agree more. I think we're we're having some productive behind the scenes conversations right now on on how we can improve food safety and get education in the hands where it can be put to use in an effective way. Certainly better than uh, what I think this color coded again well-intended, but misguided approach on what we can do for food safety in the city. And, and so that's something that we with the DRLA are really committed to to seeing happen into the future.
1: With your career, 24, 25 years in the industry, the association does a lot of work with industry and with education to bring up the next generation uh, and create pipelines for the workforce in hospitality. With that next generation coming up in the ranks, what's one piece of advice in your experience you wish you had known at the start of your career that you could pass on now?
0: Go to school, become a lawyer. I'm joking. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Every restaurateur thinks that they would have been better off as a lawyer, only because legal fees. Wow. No, uh, I would say the 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 one. Point that I I love to say, especially people that we consider green or as industry uh, terminology, you haven't cut your teeth yet. People that want to get into it, stay in it for the long haul is don't ever stop learning. Understand that we are part of a, a vocational ecosystem that started, especially when we're talking about culinary, but in general, started as a trade, started as master's teaching apprentices. And we have since now supplemented with education, supplemented with really great organizations that are willing to train. And you know, we, I, in my opinion, when you compare to 50 years ago, there's such a wider pipeline where so many other, you know, so many people at once can be trained and 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 shown the ropes and then ultimately be given this trade that they can continue with the rest of their life with. And so don't ever stop learning. Every single day I learn and we touch in this industry so many other industries whether it be technology, uh, marketing, advertising, PR, social media, you become a jack of all trades where, you know, you just finished posting something on your social media, understanding where your market points are and you're pushing that. And then 15 minutes later, you're repairing a pipe underneath your three compartment sink. And then that's the, that's the world of an entrepreneur. That's the world of people in this industry. And that's great. If you're looking for excitement, if you're looking for nonstop, this is where it's always been at. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, seeing the level the age level of some of the people looking for jobs at Republic on, a, on small is gives me hope for what we see in the next 10 years, because for the first time in a long time, I've seen 15, 16, 17 year olds wanting to jump into the industry and get jobs. And, that, and that's amazing because it, you know, it just takes that one starfish, right. That one dishwasher that I hire at 16, cooks for me at 18, 19, leaves, goes to another restaurant, cooks another three years. And in 10 years, he's the executive chef of an amazing concept that touches so many people's hearts and minds. And that's what this industry is about. Well, we got
2: to get these kids in pro start. If we have passionate 15, 16 and 17 year olds, they need to be in our pro start, uh, culinary arts training program. I love it. I love it. All right. Emily's going to get you out of this on a lightning round and I've got one myself, but you get to start Emily.
1: Yep, have a few questions for you. Starting out, what's your go-to place to visit in Michigan?
0: Uh, my bad. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, you know what? I, I love, I love Michigan in the sense that you know the first time I picked an apple uh, was here, and I had been in the industry for a long time, but it took me moving here to actually pick my own apple. So I love the apple orchards. Uh, you know, I love the cider mills. Yates and uh, Franklin is my favorite because it's so close, and the kids love it there. I know everyone's got their favorite. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's got their favorite. So it's a touchy subject. It's like college football. You don't bring it up unless everyone's <laughs> like-minded.
1: That's why we ask the so question. So is
2: fall your favorite season then?
0: Uh, fall is definitely, hands down, favorite season. All right. Fall class. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, I agree. Fall, sure.
1: Um, what's the last show that you've streamed?
0: Oh, man. So I I do stream... Uh, religiously, it allows me to turn my mind off, uh, but I would say, man, what's the last thing I stream? So we just finished up the the game of Thrones reboot or not reboot the prequel rather. So yeah. on HBO and, and that was fun. I'm, I'm does a big it
2: live fan. up to expectations?
0: It does. It does. And I read a lot and I probably read more than I stream watch shows. I actually am. And this is not exaggeration. Because people call me on it all the time. I'm about a book uh, a week. Wow. And and so I do a lot of reading and I do a lot of book on tape. And so when I'm in between going from, you know, a location to location and deployment or I'll pop my my iPads uh, or iPods on and, you know, I'll listen to a book when I work out. You an
2: and audible s- guy?
0: I am an audible guy, oh, religiously yeah. an audible guy. Yeah, yeah, me too. I yeah. love it.
1: I've never yeah. listened to a book.
2: Oh yeah, it's the best. Oh,
0: it's great. Yeah, you're it's always great on experience.
2: the move. You need, it's, it's a way to make sure you're still getting content because you can't just sit for three hours and and, and absorb information, so. Interesting. Think about it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Text or phone call?
0: Text. Yeah. I'm a, what the C, I'm a, what, they call me a senior millennial, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel old at 39, but I am uh, the, you know, to me, there's that cross section. I guess people in my generation realize that they, we lived in half analog, half digital, right? So I remember touchtone phones. I remember things that my kids will never see, right? Uh, or if they go to uh the you know, Ford Museum, they'll they'll see what I grew up with behind glass now or something like that. Yeah, it was a great experience there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I feel comfortable in the digital realm and and texting allows that communication, pure communication, but there's a time and place. And sometimes you need to pick up the phone.
2: Sure. That's uh we're in the we're in the same space there, although I think I'm a that am I a baby Xer? Because I'm like a, just a couple of years older. I yeah, think.
1: you're definitely an Xer.
2: All right. That's enough. <laughs> no, uh, oof, all right. Oof. Final one. Gonna get you. You are a Detroit chef. So mm-hmm. I'm going to get you out on this. What Detroit or which Detroit sports team is going to be the first of the four to make the postseason of any kind?
0: Oh my God. I'm going to make people angry with this answer. What are you doing, maybe Justin?
2: No, I... I mean, listen, we're all suffer- all four teams on the mend is the nicest way to say that they all suck. Actually with the exception, sure. the wings seem to be putting something together, but what are what are, what are your thoughts on who might make uh, the playoffs next? This is, I've been asking this of all my Detroit sports friends. I,
0: I think you put it on the nose. I'd be remiss. Uh, you know, Republica has a hockey booth, which is fueled by my father-in-law, who is a diehard, you know, Canadian. He's a Canadian and he's a diehard hockey fan. I don't know if those are mutually exclusive, but that happens all the time. Uh, laugh, but The uh, (laughs) I would uh, I would say that the the Red Wings probably have the best chance of putting something together where we're going to be, you know, staying up late, half uh, half in the bag going, man, I can't believe that was an amazing series. Right. So
1: So, follow up question. Are you a Detroit Red Wings fan coming from Chicago?
0: So it's interesting because one, being from Chicago, I am not allowed to talk about hockey. That was a rule when I first got here. Uh, okay. He, I could I could marry his daughter, but I can't talk about hockey. The second thing is that I grew up during the the blackout era of the Red Wings, or pardon me, the uh, Blackhawks. So mm-hmm. there was an entire generation and a half of people that grew up in Chicago that never got to see hockey on TV. So if your parents weren't hockey fans, it just was never there. I watched, you know, I was a Cubs fan watched baseball, of course. we the Bulls fan era. The '90s were amazing for us but we never, because of, you know, in uh, a story, a story pass and a story for another time, you can look it up, but they weren't showing the Blackhawks on the television. And so I never, we never became fans. So one day I woke up, it was, I got, I walked out of my apartment. It was like five 30 in the morning and I'm stepping over someone who has had too much to drink from, you know, in front of my, my Chicago apartment. And I'm going to the bus stop to catch, to get to work. I was like, why is everyone still up running through the streets? And they're like, the, the the Hawks won the series. And I'm like what? I'm like what are you talking about? They're, they won the cup. I'm like I have no idea what you're talking about. And that was my first integration. I was like, oh, that's right, Chicago hockey.
1: That's interesting. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Chef Petro, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Great. interview. No. Thanks for being us with us, man.
0: No, I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much, and and look forward to the next time. This is great. All
2: right. We'll talk to you soon.
0: All right. Thank you.